Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we discuss why voters in Upper Assam seem to be happy with the BJP-led government. We also take a quick look at the COVID-19 cases rising in Punjab. But first, we talk about the concerns around the AstraZeneca-Oxford vaccine. Now, the AstraZeneca-Oxford vaccine is among the select few that have received emergency use authorization in many countries around the world. India, for example, is also using a version of the vaccine in its vaccination drive. In India, it is called Covishield and it is being manufactured by Pune's Serum Institute of India under license from the pharma giant AstraZeneca and the University of Oxford. But now, several European countries have temporarily suspended the use of a particular batch of the vaccine. This is after a number of reports of people experiencing blood clots. The countries that have done so include, but are not limited to, France, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, Denmark, Norway, Austria and Romania. In this segment, we talk to Conan Sheriff, who reports on health for the Indian Express, about the concerns around the vaccine and how worried should those in India be. So, Conan, over what concerns have, you know, these number of European countries temporarily put a stop to the AstraZeneca-Oxford vaccine? In Europe, there have been reports of blood clots in the patients who have received the AstraZeneca vaccine. On March 10th, the Austria regulator suspended the use of a specific batch of the AstraZeneca vaccine after a person was diagnosed with multiple thrombosis, which is a medical condition where there is formation of clots within the blood cell. And this patient died 10 days after vaccination. Uh, another person was hospitalized with pulmonary embolism, which is a medical condition where there is a blockage of arteries in the lungs after being vaccinated. This patient did not die, is recovering and is still in the hospital. So in the first week, the European Medical Authority, which is the regulatory authority there, said that there were 22 cases of thromboembolic events being reported from 3 million people vaccinated with the AstraZeneca vaccine in the European uh, Union. So basically, there have been events, but it's just 22 cases of these specific kind of events among 3 million population. So these vaccines are from batch what the European regulatory authority says, ABV5300, which has been delivered to as many as 17 uh, European uh, countries and comprises of 1 million doses of the vaccine. Another red flag is the fact that they're speculating that it could be a quality defect However, this is being investigated by the EMA. And EMA, of course, is the European Medicines Agency, the European regulatory body. But have these adverse events, and there have been some deaths too, have they been directly linked to this supposed bad batch of vaccines? So two countries initially raised the issue about this adverse reaction and their linkage to the vaccine. Uh, However, Austria, the regulator, has said that it has received two reports which related to this vaccine. One is a 35-year-old woman who developed the pulmonary embolism. But they have had a preliminary investigation and they say there is no causal relationship with vaccination. Importantly, the Austrian authorities have said that uh, based on uh, the clinical data, the causal relationship cannot be established, particularly among the typical side effects that have been found in the clinical stage of the vaccine. The second country was Denmark. On March 11th, the regulatory authority of Denmark said that it received one report about a death, a death where the patient had blood clots. 
However, again, the Denmark authorities have said that they have not found any causal relationship with the vaccine, and it is right now only a precautionary measure. But importantly, what Denmark has done is that uh, it has sort of issued an advisory that people who have got this vaccine in the last 14 days and who experience long-term symptoms, which last for more than two to three days, should talk to their doctor and diagnose what is the exact problem and see if it is related to the vaccine. And what is the EMA saying right now and what exactly are they planning to do next? EMA is currently investigating. They have a meeting on Thursday. The outcome of that meeting will decide whether there is actually a causal relationship or not. However, what they have said right now is that the benefits of the AstraZeneca vaccine to prevent mild and severe infection outweighs the risks which we are talking about. A similar sort of an advisory has been issued by WHO saying that the risk, the benefits outweigh the risk. So this is what has happened so far. The investigation is still on and by Thursday we should know what is the actual, uh, if there is a causal relationship between the vaccination and the adversity. And India, as we know, is using Shield in its COVID vaccination drive, which is a version of the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine. Have we seen similar kind of adverse events? So, not strictly this kind of adverse event, but there have been one death with this uh, blood clots. So, there are two, three things that India is looking at. India is also doing a causality assessment uh, with all kind of severe or serious adverse events. When we're talking about serious and severe, we're talking about those who are being hospitalized or those who have died. So one of the first things that they are trying to understand is that whether the vaccine is the cause for death and hospitalization. And the second thing is whether there is a clot itself. So that's the second thing they're investigating. The third thing they're investigating is that whether these clots, the number of clots that have been now being manifested in different patients, is that a small number or a big number? Okay. And uh, of course, then the last part is whether the trigger is the AstraZeneca vaccine. So this is what they are also looking at. India has so far reported almost uh, 71 deaths. Significantly, 70 of deaths are related to COVID shield. However, the evidence so far, which is based on postmortem reports, have not shown any causal linkage. All the events so far have been found to be coincidental. So what Dr. N.K. Arora, who is an advisor to the National Adverse Event Falling Immunization Committee in India and who is also a member of the WHO's expert committee, say that these events need to be looked in a context of or a background and not in isolation because these clots can present in any organ. So the history, clinical history of the patient is very important. So uh, the comorbidities are very important. The age is very important. So all of those have to be investigated and only then if there's a causal uh, relationship then we can say that it is, it is problematic. And what have we heard from AstraZeneca about all this? What AstraZeneca has said is that in the clinical trials, although there had been thrombotic events, the number was very small. Significantly, this was even lower in the vaccinated group when compared to the placebo group. So that's what it says. And on quality, the allegations of quality that there could be a quality issue, it has said that additional testing has been conducted not just by the in-house company, but also an independent organization, which is designated by the European regulatory authorities. And uh, more than 60 quality tests have been conducted on this specific batch of vaccine, and more than 20 testing laboratories are involved. So it has ruled out uh, concerns related to safety. 
So, considering COVID shield, you know, is still being used in India's vaccination drive, how worried should people be about all this? So, like you know, that maximum number of doses in India has been COVID shield when compared to Covaxin. We've almost we're going to touch four crore doses in the next few hours. In fact, so it's not a big concern because if there had been such levels of adverse reactions, it would have come out in public. That hasn't happened. The numbers still, whether the causal relationship is established, we cannot say anything about whether the trigger has been the vaccine. However, the clinical trials, the safety of the clinical trials in both phase one, phase two, and interim phase three, has proved that that these vaccines are safe. Also, another important point that we need to sort of highlight is that blood clots occur naturally in general population of this size because you're seeing crores of people getting vaccinated. So they will be occurring in a general population. So whether they're directly linked to the vaccine or not, that has to be done case by case. But but as of now, it shouldn't be a cause of concern because one more thing that we need to remember is that our vaccines are getting manufactured in India, unlike this specific batch of the vaccine, which is getting manufactured uh, in Europe. So that is a big difference. So where the product is getting manufactured, the testing facility, all of that matters. And next, we talk about Assam. The state elections in Assam are scheduled to take place later this month. The government in the state right now is one led by the Bharatiya Janta Party, that is the BJP. The party had come to power in 2016 in an alliance with two other regional parties and had defeated the Congress party, which had been in power for 15 years. Now, the elections in the state will be held in three phases, starting from the 27th of March, when 47 constituencies will go to polls. Now, most of these constituencies, over 40 of them, belong to the region of Upper Assam. Recently, Tora Agarwala, who reports on Assam for the Indian Express, travelled extensively through this region to talk to people about what their concerns were leading up to the polls and who they will likely vote for. In this segment, we talked to her about what she found out, though she first explains why the region of Upper Assam is different from that of other parts of the state. So Upper Assam is basically the eastern part of Assam, and uh, this is where primarily Assamese speakers stay. So these are districts like Dibrugar, Hibohagor, Jorhat, Saraido. So these are where either descendants of the, the Ahum dynasty, which ruled Assam for 600 years, way back in the 13th century, either they stay or a lot of caste Hindu Assamese people stay. So in other words, to explain that, this is the heart of Assamese subnationalism. This is the region which represents the indigenous Assamese. And there's a lot of politics about who is indigenous and who is not. So, But this is basically the bastion of Assamese nationalism. Interestingly, this is also the region where, in 2019 and 2020, the most widespread and fierce protests against the Citizenship Amendment Act took place in the state. The law, also called the CAA, makes it easier for non-Muslim migrants from Afghanistan, Bangladesh and Pakistan to become citizens of India. It is also during these protests against this law that five people were killed while clashing with security forces. 
So while these protests happened in Middle Assam as well, Upper Assam was where the epicenter of the protests and most of these places I just mentioned, like Dibrugar, Kibohagar, Jorhat, all these saw like really people coming out in lakhs and lakhs and really voicing their angst against the Citizenship Amendment Act. During the BJP's tenure, this was one of the major developments that had angered and polarized people. And even though the CAA is now a law, the government hasn't really implemented it yet. And many say that this is because of such protests. Now, in the run-up to the elections, the BJP isn't talking about the CAA at all. Though on the other hand, the Congress party, which is in the opposition, is heavily relying on the anti-CAA sentiment they have made it the central part of their campaign rhetoric. But the question is, how important of an issue is CAA for the people in the region now, after one and a half years? We asked Tora this question, and the answer was a bit unexpected. You know, because this is the first election post the CAA, you would expect that to feature prominently in electoral conversations because the protest was so big over here. But uh, what I found on the ground was that CA is hardly a factor in these elections. This is not to say that people are okay with the CA or they are happy the CA is coming or the CA was passed. People still uh, consider the CA like very anti-Assamese and which goes against indigenous interests. But when they come to voting, when it comes to voting or when it comes to elections, it somehow doesn't translate electorally. Tora gives the example of a lady she met at a vegetable market while traveling. She had asked the lady the same question. And she said that, of course, you know, I hate the CA and I don't want the CA and I went for each and every protest and I uh, made sure my voice was heard. I was shouting slogans and all of that. But yet, when she goes to vote on 27th, she probably won't vote against the BJP. It's because she is very happy with things that the BJP has brought into her life or the qualitative difference her life has undergone in the past few years because she says she's happy with the schemes the BJP has given. She is happy with the overall development or the free grains she's getting. And um, so basically, I think in Assam, politics of protest don't necessarily translate into electoral politics, because that's also what we saw in the Lok Sabha elections of 2019, because those elections also happened right after big protests at the, at the beginning of 2019. But somehow BJP swept through polls even then. So the anger against the CAA doesn't necessarily mean a vote against the BJP. She says the voters care more about how their lives have changed and the benefits they have got from the ruling government. And this was the sentiment in many of the places she went to. For people, it was the schemes that the BJP-led government had implemented that stood out for them. Tora tells us about some of the important ones. So one big scheme which I kept hearing wherever I went is a scheme called Orunodoy, which is a woman-centric scheme which was launched by the BJP late last year. And this is a DBT scheme which uh, transfers 830 rupees a month to women members of the family, obviously underprivileged families 
or people who have like there are priorities given to people who have someone who's physically challenged or somebody who's, who's divorced or, and things like that but this uh, particular scheme seems to be quite popular and a lot of women are very happy with it because you're getting 830 rupees a month and that obviously you're getting this money to spend on it's like an additional income and you're getting this money to spend on whatever you like so that's one particular scheme then recently the finance minister he said that this 830 rupees if they are voted to pass will be increased to 3000 so that's another added incentive and another popular scheme that people have liked is the swayam scheme which gives money to the young unemployed youth to start their own businesses then there are also a number of other popular schemes that also give money and which tora says people have liked but besides schemes the bjp has also done a lot of infrastructural development in the last 5 years so some parts of upper assam uh, roads are really good and especially they've completed some projects which were started they may have been started way before they came into power but they have sort of seen these projects to completion so there is one particular bridge called the bogibil bridge which connects the south bank of the brahmaputra to the north bank and this bridge was a demand for many years because to cross that river people had to basically there were a lot of like medical emergencies and go by ferries etc was very hard on people so a lot of people lost lives and there was a lot of like difficulties people faced because this bridge wasn't there so this bridge was completed and this has brought like immense qualitative change in people's lives and improved connectivity and things like that so these are the reasons why the caa isn't a big factor for the people in the region plus tora says that the other thing to consider is that the pandemic came in the middle of the anti caa protests and the elections so you know a lot of things changed during that and that is the other reason why caa also sort of went in people's head but not the most concerning reason right now or the most concerning factor in their heads right now and meanwhile the bjp is of course campaigning aggressively in the lead up to the polls with new promises rallying by senior leaders including several now by the home minister amit shah and their old campaign song which they have now tweaked a little so the bjp has unparalleled state machinery on the ground right so they also have a very catchy campaign song which they used in the 2019 lok sabha elections which and they repurposed it for the upcoming elections as well and it's blared on loudspeakers wherever you go any bjp campaign rally or any nomination filing it's basically it says ako ebar modi sarkar or ako ebar bjp sarkar and that loosely translates to vote for bjp one more time or vote for modi one more time Aku ebar BJP sarkar Aku ebar Modi sarkar Aku ebar BJP sarkar Now so far we have discussed why CAA does not seem to be a major issue for people in Upper Assam and why many have liked the schemes and development programs of the BJP but that doesn't mean that people aren't angry with the party There are people Tora met who are angry because of the economic conditions they find themselves in. 
like price rise is a very real cause which has affected people unemployment so these sort of things did come up in conversation but the key takeaway here is that if they're not voting for the bjp it's because of economic reasons it's not because of ca or issues based on identity it's mostly the angst comes because of not getting a particular scheme or a road being bad or someone not getting a job or things like that now the fact that the caa is not a big concern on the mind of the voters might end up hurting the congress party which is an alliance with seven other parties in the region this is because like mentioned earlier they have relied heavily on the anti caa sentiment for the campaign so even the congress and also the parties which have come up this election owing to the anti caa protest even if you talk to them even leaders from there will admit that the anti caa sentiment has gone down a little so and that's what one congress worker low down in the party who i met in one of the constituencies when i was traveling told me that they might be campaigning now but their big mistake was that they didn't use ca to its advantage when the anger was at its peak and now the moment has passed and the issue has passed so like it's not possible to sort of come back only on that pole plank but otherwise also it's while ca is one of their main issues they are also talking about other stuff like price rise and unemployment and other things and they've also launch their five promises if they are elected in fact they also released an entire song about these five promises yesterday ahi se congress garantee de hote ahi se congress pasu ta koi garantee hote and in the forest what they saying is that along with the congress will come the five guarantees and these five guarantees are um, one is law that nullifies the caa the second is a promise of 5 lakh government jobs the third is raising tea garden workers daily wages to rupees 365 the fourth is free electricity up to 200 units per household and the fifth is 2000 rupees per month as support to housewives or homemakers so they are also focusing on other issues and there are some constituencies in upper assam which are congress bastions like tarun gogoi's constituency he is not there anymore but somebody another person from the party will contest so there are constituencies where there will be fights but overall only time will tell to see who wins this particular region Now one thing that Tora told us towards the end was that while CAA not being a big issue was not that surprising she did however expect to see more regional parties being more popular on the ground So for context two regional parties have come out of the anti CAA protest one is the Ahom Jatiya Parishad and the other is Raijor Dol which is uh, led by Okhil Gogoi the peasant leader who's in jail right now for his involvement in the anti CAA protest so now Ahom Jatiya Parishad is the president is Lurin Jyoti Gogoi who is an ex student leader and who is very popular on the ground or at least during the CAA movement you could see he was there everywhere like he emerged as the face of this anti CAA protest and even Okhil Gogoi is obviously also very popular because he's been voicing people's concerns and agitating for many years 
so and both these parties are in alliance so i thought that they'd have more traction on the ground so what surprised me was that when i spoke to people they obviously these two leaders are popular nobody has anything bad to say about okil gogoi or lorenjuti gogoi but again like when it comes to voting they don't seem to be the voters first choice she says that this is because the parties are too small and that this is the first time that they are jumping into electoral politics plus for a party like rajo dal the leader akhil gogoi is still in jail he was arrested following the caa protests and later booked under the draconian unlawful activities prevention act when i met people all of them across the spectrum people had good things to say about him that he fought for us and he's in jail and there is also a lot of sympathy for him because he's in jail for so long for the ohomia cause but they also said that you know what can one man do alone because how much change can he bring if we elect him so that is also working against these two new parties and obviously you can't compete with the organizational machinery of a big party like the bjp or even the congress so i mean that's what surprised me that they are really popular on the ground but uh, then again like it doesn't seem like they that popularity translates electorally but i mean let's see what happens and in the end we talk about the state of punjab now yesterday maharashtra registered over 25800 fresh cases of covid-19 crossing its highest peak of daily cases recorded last year the state has been a known hotspot and is contributing to more than 60% of all cases in india but a state which has a most serious problem is punjab According to analysis by Indian Express's Amitabh Sinha, while in most states the death rate is declining, that is not the case with Punjab. The state has been reporting the second highest number of deaths in the country after Maharashtra, which is a much bigger state. Punjab reported 38 deaths on Tuesday and 35 deaths on Wednesday. It is also seeing a sharp rise in cases. For the last 12 days Punjab has consistently reported more than 1000 cases. This extraordinary rise in the number of infections is not very well explained. And Amitabh writes that what is even more curious about this surge is that it has come well after the farmers protests which at its peak had seen very large crowds assembling in several parts of the state. to know more about this report and the possible reasons that officials offer for this rise you can read the report by amitabh sinha we have provided a link to it in today's show notes you are listening to three things by the indian express today's show was written and produced by me shashank bhargav and was edited and mixed by suresh pawar if you like the show then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts you can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it share it with a friend or someone in your family it's the best way for people to get to know about us you can tweet us at express podcast and write to us at podcast@indianexpress.com at